0: Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I hope you have a wonderful day and just a, a time to spend with your family if you are able. But, you know, Father's Day is very similar to Mother's Day in the fact that it can be a joyous celebration for many people. But we also have to understand that it's, it's not exactly a good day for some Uh, because of the uh, relationship or maybe even the lack of a relationship that they had uh, with their father growing up. Uh, You know, I I'd realized that I'm one of the few who were blessed to still have my dad living uh, and the fact that, you know, he lives close by. So not only am I able to talk to him, but I'm also able to go uh, visit, you know, from time to time and And I know that, you know, one day, uh, hopefully many years from now, but one day that's going to change and, you know, he's no longer going to be here. And so really what we want to do this morning is certainly acknowledge our earthly fathers, but ultimately the goal is to point us uh, to our heavenly father who is always there with us. And who loves us unconditionally. And who gives us so many blessings, including many that we take for granted. And so the one big thing this morning is that Jesus is with us and in his church. So let's look at Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 9. And it says, I, John... Who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and set it the seven churches which are in Asia. Under Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and under Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and under Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and under Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, And as white as snow, his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold I am alive for evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks, which thou saw us, are the seven churches. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to gather together to worship and to study your word. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would be with us. Help us to, uh, Lord, celebrate our earthly fathers. But Lord, help us even more so to celebrate and draw closer and to love and honor and worship our Heavenly Father. Uh, and May He be the example that we as fathers strive uh, to be like and to point our families to. So God, as we look into Your Word this morning, we ask that You would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of Your Word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, the one big thing is that Jesus is with us and in his church. So there's a few things that we see about Jesus in our text. The first one is this, that he is Emmanuel, which is translated as God with us. So John describes Jesus as in the midst of the seven churches. This is a way of saying that he is with us as his church. Remember, the message of the book of Revelation is God's message to his church. John is writing to, a, to encourage the churches because they are experiencing persecution. He wants them to know that not only does he understand, because as verse 9 says, you know, he was their brother and companion in tribulation, but that God was with them through this. What greater encouragement could John give us than to remind us that even when life is going sideways, when it all seems to be falling apart, that Jesus is right there with us? You know, when we hear the the title Emmanuel, we automatically think about the birth of Jesus and uh, the link to Isaiah's prophecy. You know, Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted as uh, God with us. But God with us doesn't just refer to his incarnation. It uh, That was the beginning of God being with us. You know, he has promised never to leave us or to forsake us, that he would always be with and in his children. You know, I I hope it's comforting for you to know that even in the middle of difficulties and the trials of life, you're not alone. Jesus is not only with us, but he understands what we're going through. You know, in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, the word tempted there not only refers to temptations, but also to being tested. It carries the meaning of being taught by trial. And so, let let me ask you, have you ever really thought, that Jesus needed to learn things. It says he did in, in Luke's gospel, and then we read in Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verses 8 to 10, it says, Though he were a son, yet he learned, uh, learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, that's complete, uh, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Did did you hear how Jesus learned obedience? He learned it through suffering. And this just reminds us that God has a plan and a purpose even in our suffering. I, I love how one pastor put uh, that passage. He he's just, quote, focusing uh, on Hebrews 5 verse 8. It's an inseparable part of one sentence that runs for three verses. And in it we have an extremely condensed version of Jesus' life on earth. He was the infinite Son of God who nevertheless experienced the limits of space and time and life as we do. God could have created a fully grown adult body for Jesus as he did with Adam. He could have rushed him to the cross, but he didn't. Instead, Jesus left heaven, he entered time, and he experienced for himself ordinary human life from birth to adulthood to death. Learning and suffering and death are part of the life experience for all people, and so God ensured that his own son would be no exception. you think about why why did Jesus go through everything that he did it was so that he would be able to not only say well I I know what life is like but rather he could say I've experienced what you are going through you know when Jesus says he's learning from uh, obedience from suffering, it's not that you know he was rebellious and had to suffer from from that, but rather uh, in the sense that he fully entered into our experience as, as a human, he learned it by experiencing it. And what he shows us is that in every situation, no matter how difficult. The Son of God was obedient to his Father. And so this is the example that we are to strive for. Not only is Jesus Emmanuel, though, but he is also our high priest. You know, when we first read the description of that person that John sees in his vision, it sounds really strange to us. But it would have made sense to an audience that was familiar with the Old Testament. Okay, it would have made sense to an audience that uh, saw priests wearing the priestly clothes, which is exactly what John is describing—that Jesus is wearing the the clothes of a priest in those days. It's a reminder that one of the offices that Jesus fulfilled is that of priest. And there's three ways that Jesus fulfilled the role of a priest. The first one is that he made a sacrifice. Now, this sacrifice, of course, uh, wasn't an animal sacrifice, but rather it was him being that ultimate sacrifice for sins. You know, and when we begin to talk about Jesus and uh, his sacrifice, it should remind us of Genesis chapter 22, there where God uh, told Abraham to go and uh, sacrifice his son. And as Abraham and Isaac are walking up that mountain after taking a three-day journey uh, to get to the place, Isaac goes, All right, Dad, we got everything we need except the sacrifice. Uh, Abraham's response was, the Lord will provide. Now, the, the Hebrew of that phrase has two incredible meanings. First, a sacrifice would be provided for Isaac by God. And then second, the Lord himself would be that sacrifice. So what we see here in Genesis 22 and, and Jesus being our high priest uh, you know uh, it can tie into what John the Baptist said in John 129 when he said the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world and so Genesis 22 is pointing us towards Jesus, which is ultimately pointing us towards the cross. And that sacrificial lamb is now the risen Savior who is our high priest after being the sacrifice once for all. But not only uh, did Jesus provide a sacrifice, but as a priest, he spoke to men on behalf of God. We see it in Hebrews 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. You know one of his confrontations with the religious leaders uh, they accuse uh, Jesus of just you know saying whatever he wants to say and his response was I'm not saying my own words I'm only saying what the father who sent me is telling me to say and so Jesus was speaking to men on behalf of God and then the last part of it as a priest he was speaking to God on behalf of men. This is intercession for us. You know, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. When you and I sin, God the Father has every right to to judge us. He could condemn us. Yet what we see is Jesus pleading on our behalf of saying, I took your judgment. I paid for that sin. We see in John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer that he not only prayed for his disciples, but that he prayed for all who would trust in him in the future. So the overall message of this first vision that John has is that Jesus is our priest who is with us during persecution and suffering. And so this ought to evoke praise from us because we're never alone, no matter the circumstance or the situation. But the third aspect of uh, what we see about Jesus in this text is that he is in control. Yeah, I love the opening part of verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Now the stars are a reference to church leaders. This means that I am in God's hand. Of course, that's not just for church leaders. That's for all of God's children. And in fact, God is in control of all the events of the world because he is the creator of them. So, I mean, what an encouragement to know that God has us in his hand, no matter what. In in John 10, Jesus says that he and his Father, they're so strong that no one is ever going to be able to take us out of his hand. So, no matter what storm is howling around us or in us, we are firmly and securely in God's hand if we are God's child. You know, verse 19 shows us that God not only knows what's happening now, but he knows what's coming. And so we we can allow that to encourage us. Because while we may not have an idea what's going to happen in the next five minutes, we serve a God who knows the end from the beginning and that nothing takes God by surprise. We are securely in the hand of God who knows everything And is in control of everything, which means he can change all things for his glory and our good. So things may not be okay right now, but God is going to work them out in his time. So if you're struggling today, if you feel like you've lost all hope or you just can't take one more step, God says, it's okay, I've got you. You don't have to fear, fuss, f- f- fret, because I'm working all things out. It may not be good right now, but trust me, watch me work in your life and the lives of those around you. See what I'm going to do. And here's the greatest part. Jesus is our victory. And verse 18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And had the keys of hell and death. You see, by his death, Jesus satisfied the wrath of God against sin. He paid for our sin by his blood. And with his resurrection, Jesus defeated death and the grave that we should no longer fear them. The one who was our sacrifice The one who has us in his hand, the one who is in our midst, is the one who is in control, get this, not only of our life, but also our death. Therefore, no virus, rioting, disease, or dumb decision will take us out of this world until the God who is in control of life and death says it's time. So we have no reason to fear life or death. Instead, we have every reason to trust God and to worship him. Because when it's your time to go, no medicine's going to save you, not even the greatest medical minds in the world. But if it's not your time, no disease, sickness, or craziness is going to take you out because your life and your death are in the hands of the resurrected lamb Jesus Christ's hands, and so in light of who Jesus is, what should we do? The first thing is, we need to be a light. Notice how John spoke of the churches he was writing to in verse twelve, he says, and "I turned to see the voice of uh, the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Some translations may say lights or lamps. John said that the churches were to be lights. Lights to who? Lights to those still living in darkness, to the unsaved. The function of a lamp is to give light where there is none. Jesus says you don't light a lamp and then hide it under a basket. Remember the song we used to sing? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Another uh, verse of it, it says, hide it under a bush, oh no, I'm going to let it shine. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father which is in heaven. Church, this means that we need to shine the light of Jesus into this dark, sinful, lost world. We need to live differently. We need to speak differently than those around us. When people walk away after talking with us, they should know more about Jesus than they know about us. We have to understand that the church is God's plan A for world evangelization. And by the way, there is no plan B. If we don't shine the light of the gospel, if we don't share it with the world, then nobody's going to hear it. And when does the light shine the brightest when it's the darkest around us church we got to stop gathering in our holy huddles and see whose night light shines the brightest in the daytime our nation is in a dark place right now no amount of medicine will rid us of covid-19 we're always going to have dirty politicians the the riots The defunding, the police, none of these things are the answer to racism and injustice. The gospel is. America needs the gospel. America needs Jesus. And as the church, we are the ones who have been called and commissioned by Jesus himself to take the message to them. We have to stand up and speak up. To let our light shine that the darkness of sin may be dispelled and that the kingdom of light may advance in this darkest moment of American history. We can no longer sit on the sidelines and hope that people will hear about and come to Jesus. The church must go on offense. His truth must march on. Be. A light, and we also need to be encouraged. Right now, people are going through a really tough time. There are a lot of people who are hurting all around us for a, a lot of different reasons, some because of sickness. Some because they have suffered uh, injustices. Some because uh, the job that they do, they're being lumped in with a bad apple. Others are hurting because of loneliness, of depression, losing a job, financial struggles, marital struggles, wayward children. The list goes on and on. The truth is people are hurting. I would say, you know, if all we did was scroll through our feeds on social media or watch the mainstream media, we would have all the reasons in the world to be depressed and disheartened. But praise God as God's children, we have all the reasons in the world to hope and to be smiling and to be praising God. Because our hope is not in medicine. In politics, it's not in a new job or a higher 401k. Our hope, our peace, our joy are in a risen Savior who holds us in his hands at all times and has promised to always be with us. And so no matter what you are facing, no matter what we will have to face in the coming days, weeks, months, and years, we will never face it alone because God is always with his children. Yeah, I don't know who said it, but I want to end this morning with a reminder. Quote, I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrows. God is with us. God is in control. And for that, we could lift our hands and our voices in praising him. Because no matter what we face, he is going to work it out for his glory and our good. And maybe the way He's doing that today is by showing you that you have never trusted Him. And if that's where you are, then He is calling you to trust Him, to turn from your sin and trust that He and He alone can save you. Maybe He saved you already, but you're struggling with your faith because of what's going on in life. He's saying to cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Even when you feel alone, God's reminding you He's there. So whatever God is saying to you, how can we respond? How can we show our love and our gratefulness for who God is? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time of studying your Word, and Lord, I pray uh, that we are encouraged today, that though we find ourselves in a dark place in history, the light of the world is still there shining brightly, calling all who are far from him to come to him in simple faith and surrender to be saved. The light is calling those who are mourning, hurting, downcast, downtrodden to come and to know that he is with us. And so, Father, may we point people to Jesus in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this morning. Again, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. If there's a way we can pray for you, encourage you, or help you, I hope you'll reach out to us. You can do it there on social media uh, at Westlake Baptist Church, or you can email me at Justin at westlakebaptist.org. Until next Sunday, I love you, I'm praying for you, and God bless you.